シュジュリッパッパラッパッパッパーラララッタッタラッタッタッタラララッタッブリー Can we test the mic please? Yeah, we can test the mic バラッパー We can test the mic バラッパー We can test the Chapter 1, take 2, 2 Nice He said, I won't gag you I'll leave the television on loudly so that no one will hear you Don't waste energy trying to shout But you'll be released when Mrs. Colin comes tomorrow. Try to rest, to sleep. I'm sorry, I have to do this. You'll get your car back eventually. Even as he spoke, it seemed a ridiculous and dishonest promise to make. He said, Is there anything you want? The woman said feebly, Water. The single word reminded him of his own thirst. It seemed extraordinary that after the long hours of craving water, he could have forgotten his need even for a moment. He went into the bathroom and, taking a tooth mug, not even bothering to rinse it, gulped down cold water until his stomach could hold no more. Then he refilled the mug and went back to the bedroom. He raised the woman's head on his arm and put the mug to her lips. She drank thirstily. The water spilled down the side of her face and onto the thin cardigan. The purple veins at the side of her forehead throbbed as if they would burst, and the sinews of the thin neck were taut as cords. After she had finished, he took a piece of linen and wiped her mouth. Then he refilled the glass and helped the husband to drink. He felt a strange reluctance to leave them. An unwelcome and malignant guest, he could find no appropriate words of farewell. At the door, he turned and said, I'm, I'm sorry I had to do this. Try to get some sleep. Mrs. Collins will be here in the morning. He wondered whether he was reassuring them, them or himself. At least he thought they are together. He added, Are you reasonably comfortable? The silliness of the question struck him even as he asked it. Comfortable? How could they be comfortable, trussed up like animals on a bed so narrow that any movement might cause them to fall off? The woman whispered something which his ears couldn't catch, but which her husband seemed to understand. Stiffly, he raised his head and looked straight at Theo, who saw in his faded eyes a plea for understanding. For pity. He said, She wants to go to the toilet. Theo almost laughed out loud. He was an eight year old, again hearing his mother's impatient voice. You should have thought of that before we started out. What did they expect him to say? You should have thought that before I tied you up. One of them should have thought of it. It was too late now. He had wasted too much time on them already. He thought of Julian and Miriam waiting in desperate anxiety in the shadow of the trees. Ears strained for the approach of every car, picture their disappointment as each one swept past. And there was still so much to be done. The cars to be checked, the stores collected. It would take him minutes to untie these tight, multiple knots, and he hadn't minutes to spare. She would have to lie there in her own mess until Mrs. Collins arrived in the morning. He knew he couldn't do it. Trust and helpless as she was, stinking with fear, lying in rigid embarrassment, unable to meet his eyes, there was one indignity which he couldn't inflict on her. His fingers began scrabbling at the talc cotton. It was even more difficult than he had expected, and in the end he took the nail scissors and cut her loose, freeing her ankles and hands, trying not to notice the wheels on her wrists. Getting her off the bed wasn't easy. Her brittle body, which had seemed as light as a bird, was now set in, rig in the rigour of terror. It was nearly a minute before she could begin her slow shuffle to the lavatory with his arm round her waist supporting her. He said shame and impatience making his voice gruff. <clears throat> Don't lock the door. Leave it ajar. He waited outside, resisting the temptation to pace the landing. 
his heartbeats thudding out the seconds which lengthened into minutes before he heard the flush of the cistern and slowly she emerged. She whispered back, Thank you. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. Uh, kia ora, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Chapter 1, Take 2, the podcast where we read the book, watch the film, and then discuss the adaptation. My name is Maddie. My name is Brianna. And this week we are covering The Children of Men. By P.D. James. By P.D. James. A woman. Yes, this was one of the few uh, books written by women that had been adapted into a film that I could find that were science fiction or um, post-apocalyptic. Amazing. And this is episode one of our third season of Chapter 1, Take 2. That's very exciting. Yes, it is. When we started out on the podcast, do you think... Did you think we would get to season three? What did you think would happen? I I wanted to believe we would get to season three, but I think I had this secret fear that if I talked about it out loud, then we would definitely stop. Yeah. You know, like, we'd be like, oh, it's just too hard to carry on and we give up. But um, this is, you know, we've been over a year now. We're almost on our second year. Yep. Amazing. Um, thank you, audience, for joining us on that journey. Um, a lot's changed for us in that time. The main thing, I'm looking at my cute little kitty cat, and she's sleeping on a pillow, and she's got a little, her head turned, so her little chin is visible, and I just, oh, I want to crush her, because I love her. Um, cats feature pretty prominently in this book. They do. They do. Oh, they do! Of course they do! <laughs> oh my goodness, I was just like, why? But then I remembered. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, do you want to summarize the book for our listeners? Um... Yes. So I loved the book. I loved like I loved, like I loved it. Loved like I thought book. it was excellent. Um so this book was uh so in this book you meet Theo and um he's the main character and he's very nihilistic. He lives in a world where um no child has been produced for some time. Twenty one years. Um, And it's set in 2021, so how cool is that? Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, And so society is basically preparing to die out. That's what they've been doing. They've kind of accepted it. Yeah. Yeah. The first, like, five years were characterized by, like, research and trying to find the cure, but people have lost hope, and it's just nobody believes that humanity will survive. Um, And then Theo is approached by a woman called Julian... Mm-hmm. Um, to, and requested to speak to his cousin, who is like the prime minister. He's not the prime minister, but he's like the prime minister. He controls everything. Um, what is this? the the guardian of something? You're, no, no. Oh my god! The I'll look it up. The lo- like the Lord Guardian of Protector of England or something. Yeah. So it's set in the UK and. Um, he goes to talk to his cousin about all these things that... The, the Warden of England. The Warden of England. Yes. That the Fishers, um, who Julian is part of a group of five, called, they call themselves the Fishers, are concerned about. And those are things like um, uh, the immigration laws. So basically they, Im- they allow immigrants over for a certain amount of time to be treated like slaves and work and do all the jobs that nobody else wants. But then they ship them back off to their countries to die where the infrastructure and the government care isn't very good um and they're treated really poorly while they're in the country and then there's the quietus which is um basically i thought it was quietus i always assumed it was quietus oh i think i listened to the audiobook and it was quietus like coitus 
but quietus. Oh. I'm going to keep saying quietus because it sounds like death. Okay. Um, which is a mass suicide yeah. by typically older people who just don't want to be around when the world finally kind of shits itself. Um, and they find out that actually a lot of them are forced suicides yeah. because society doesn't want to care for the elderly. Yeah. Um, and they're drugged. Yeah. And it's, um, and then there's like a forced, like forced routine, um, sperm checks and, uh, fertility checks for, for men, um, and women, uh, which are really degrading and demoralizing. Um, and there's the island that they send all the criminals to that has yes. no, uh, policing system or anything. So, so they're just killing each other. Yeah. And it's really horrible. Yeah. So there's all these things and he, he goes to talk to his cousin and his cousin's like, basically, I'm not going to do anything about it because nobody cares. The only thing they care about is enjoying the last few years of their lives until they die since yeah. there's no hope. They don't care about making society a better place. Um, and... <sighs> Shelly just woke herself up from a dream. Sorry. Um, and so then that's that. And he doesn't do anything and he kind of moves away from the five fishes uh and he's really sad he's lost his daughter he backed over his daughter um what like when he was married so they actually had a kid him and his wife theo um but he backed over it and he's just really sad and um he goes traveling he's a bit useless and he is a bit useless yeah he's very nihilistic that's the point he has no hope and he's just existing yeah um and he's very privileged he's really it's really beautiful, I think, some of the passages where we hear his inner thoughts because um, we learn, like, I just love the idea of thinking about the structures of society. It makes me think of Ozymandia. So I, I love the idea of thinking about what's going to be left behind for no one to see mm. um, when humanity does finally die out. And if, if, it's gonna, if humanity is going to die out and the earth will still exist or if it's going to be like the earth is completely uninhabitable and all of like all trace of us are way Yeah, like we've ruined it. Yeah. Ruined it for everybody. So, um, like, is, is it going to be an asteroid, for example? Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed that. And um, then uh, he says to Julian, like, hey, if you ever need anything, just let, let me know. Let me know. Because he's kind of... He kind of has a crush on her. Yeah. Um, here's an important part. Julian has no hand or no fingers. Her One of her hands is just... Deformed. Dis- de- deformed, yeah. yeah disfigured. disfigured. Um, and that's not in the movie, which annoyed me, but we'll get to that. Um, and uh, then, and so, and because of that, she doesn't actually have to have the fertility tra- things because they assume that she's not fertile. But broken. She's broken. Yeah. Um, and then one which night. Which is ridiculous. Uh, I think Miriam arrives in a panic and is like, we have to go now. Julian needs you. And then we find out that Julian is pregnant. And basically, the it's rest big of the deal. book is like, them trying to avoid getting caught until Julian can have the baby and hopefully getting to this colony that is supposed to be better. Yeah. But um, I and I really liked how useless it all was in the book. Like it was so futile because they were just uh what, five people and Yeah, it was so small. Yeah, so small and really disorganized and Ralph was the husband's name? Yeah. Um, he just wanted to be, oh, was it Luke? Oh, no, Luke No, was, Luke's the one he, that's Luke's the, the priest. The father. The father, yes. And, and the religious one. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. So, like, yeah, so, Rolf, 
Rolf is hus- is Julian's husband. Yes. And he has decided that he's in charge because he very much likes power. Yeah. Um, and he's super stoked that, because he thinks uh, that he's going to be the father of the first child born in 21 years. Yeah. So he's just so stoked. And then he finds fi- out yeah, you- that Luke, who's like the priest in the group, is actually the father. Yeah. Um, and Luke dies because there are these group. So the last generation that w- was born are called the Omegas. Yeah. And they are basically crazy because um, they were treated like gods as children. And so they became um, just super entitled and aggressive and very much like, you know, we're the last generation on Earth. Uh, it's very hard for us to. It's give- basically P.D. James's version of Snowflakes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, like, I don't, I don't, like, agree with that term, but, like, it's how boomers see this generation. Sure. Um, and they basically trap the car that they're fleeing in to try and not get caught by the warden. Um, and then they do a ritualistic dance and they kill one, they're going to kill one member of the group. They often just kill one person and they steal the car. And what, what pissed me off, though, is they didn't steal the car to do anything with it, they burn it and yeah. blow it up. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so wasteful of resources. Yeah. Um, but Luke sacrifices himself, and then you find out in a couple of pages it's because he's actually the father of the child. Um, and Julian was never in love with Luke, but enjoyed Luke's infatuation with her. Yeah. Yeah. And Miriam is, she was a midwife for 25 years, and then hasn't been for 21 years because there's been no children being born. But um, she's... And she's black in the book. Yeah, she's a woman of colour, which is awesome. And when Ralph finds out he's not the father, he basically just deserts the group. It's Rolf. Rolf. Yeah. Not Ralph. No, like it rhymes with golf. Okay, it's Rolf. Sorry, honey. He... What I've really appreciated as well is that when he finds out, he doesn't hit Julian. He doesn't hit... Well, Luke's dead. But he goes... He rubs his face into a tree to the point of bleeding. And, like, that's how he externalizes his internal, like, pain or disappointment. Initially. And then he betrays the entire group. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he leaves and he tells the warden. And that's how the warden finds out that Julian is pregnant. And then, basically, it's... Yeah. From the passage that Bree read, it's just after that bit. So they have to get a car. And then... Um, and I really like that passage because... Basically, Theo has to, he breaks into a house, kind of at random, and chooses a car. And he has to treat the old people really badly, but he doesn't want to, but he has to because this is the only baby that's been born in 21 years. And he knows that if his cousin gets a hold of it, then society doesn't have a chance, I think, is like, like of, of, of actually changing some of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the broken parts. And I, I really love the end. Like, I loved... I love the book. I love the ending. I love the message of it. If you've seen the film, they're nothing alike. We'll get into more detail. But basically, um, Theo gets the car, like Brie read in that passage, and then he goes back. He backtracks because he assumes people won't assume that they'll do that. But because... Um, they know which car is sold and they know how much gas they have. They know the radius of where they could possibly be, which isn't, yeah. which isn't very far at all. And they basically find this cottage that Theo remembers going there for fishing or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he does have the professor friend. They stop at his house really early on. Yeah. Um, and he's already committed suicide. Yeah. He's already killed himself. Um, which is, again, really different from the movie. Yeah. Um, and Miriam goes to look for water because Theo spills their last water that they need for the child and the birth because Julian is about to literally give birth. Um, so Mer- Julian has just given birth and everyone thought it was going to be a girl or a boy. And it was the opposite. Yeah. I think it's a boy. It is a boy. I think they think it's going to be a girl, but it's yeah. a boy. Which they find really interesting because in the book, um, it's all the men who are infertile and not the women. Yeah. Shelly's got her hand over her little face. Um, Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And then Theo goes looking for Miriam. And she's been murdered. Like, people are just slowly getting murdered. Like, oh, yeah. And do you want to... I, I love the final scene. Do you want to describe the final scene? Uh, in the final scene, basically, Theo confronts his cousin and is like, you're not getting into the cottage with the baby. And you're not going to take the baby. And then um, he shoots his cousin. Yeah. And then he takes the ring, which is a significant ring. It has to do with... Um, He's wed to England. History. With that, with that yeah. ring. It's like, it's a really specific ring. Um, um, I'm just going to read this passage because I really like. So, like, he's just killed his cousin. And this is what it says. Theo thought, it begins again with jealousy, with treachery, with violence, with murder, with this ring on my finger. He looked down at the great sapphire in its glitter of diamonds, at the ruby cross, twisting the ring, aware of its weight. Placing it on his hand had been instinctive and yet deliberate, a gesture to assert authority and ensure protection. He had known that the grenadiers would come armed. The sight of that shining symbol on his finger would at least make them pause, give him time to speak. Did he need to wear it now? He had all Zan's power within his grasp, that and more. With Carl dying, the council was leaderless. For a time at least, he must take... Zan's place. There were evils to be remedied, but they must take their turn. He couldn't do everything at once. There had to be priorities. Was that what Zan had found? And was this sudden intoxication of power what Zan had known every day of his life? The sense that everything was possible to him, that what he wanted would be done, that what he hated would be abolished, that the world could be fashioned according to his will. He drew the ring from his finger, then paused and pushed it back. There would be time later to decide whether and for how long he needed it. Yeah. Um, so, and by the end of the book... And that's like, it's quite a significant statement. Yeah. I loved it. It's very nihilistic. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, by the end of the book, Julian and um, Theo are in love. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's how it ends. Do you think Julian really loves him, though? I mean, loves her? Yeah, loves him. Do I think Julian loves Theo? Yeah. She says that she does. But do you think? Do you think she does? <sighs> do you think she feels like she doesn't have a choice anymore? I'd say so. Yeah. I think she loves him, but I think, like it's it's very conditional. She she definitely loves her baby more. Absolutely, I think she genuinely loves him until he doesn't take the ring off at the end, and then she's worried because it yeah. it says that there's something about the look in her eyes. Yet, Julian looked up at him. For the first time, she noticed the ring. She said, that wasn't made for your finger. Um, thank you for that summary. Uh, it's... Well, you did half of it. Is that all right? Yeah. Are you sure? 
Yeah. Okay. I was going to give a much briefer summary, but you, like, described the most important scenes. But, um, well, the scenes that really stood out to me in the book. Yeah. They are very powerful. They are. Okay. I'll go through my facts, and then we can get into the debate. Okay. So, The Children of Men, written by P.D. James in 1992. Um, that was the year before we were born! That was the year before we were born, 29 years ago, and was set in 2021, like Bree said. Uh, the 2006 film took out the the at the beginning and was just called Children of Men, and that was set in 2027. So they kind of they kind of fast forwarded a bit. Um, maybe I don't know. I don't I don't know to avoid what, but there you go. But actually, Brie, yes. we learn that cool fact that they knew the bullet of London was being built and they put it in the background of the yeah, movie. Yeah, that was cool. But it hadn't been built in two thousand and five or six. But it would have been built by the time that. The it was fi- released. Like the, f- the t- setting of the film was set. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Alfonso Curon. Yeah. Um, and it's classed as a sci-fi thriller. Do you know what it has on IMDb? It's high. Yeah. So 7.9 on IMDb and 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't agree, but I, but I, I don't know that I, anyone who's read the book and is wanting an adaption of that book, which is what I want. I'm preempting the end segment of this episode. Um, you're not going. You're not getting that with yeah. the film. Um, but I, yeah, yeah. The budget of the film was seventy six million dollars, and cumulatively worldwide only grossed seventy million. So it lost money. Um, as we've talked about. A few of the characters are merged. So um, Theo is played by Clive Owen. Uh, Julian is played by Julianne Moore. But she's his wife. His ex-wife. His ex-wife who... Doesn't have a major part in the book at all. No, not at all. Um, and then there's a different person again who has the baby. Yeah. And I really hate when they change the names around like that. It makes it so confusing. Yeah, it does. And Luke... Is played um, by Chiwit. Wait, Chiwitl Ijifor. Have you not learned after almost two years to look up the pronunciation of the names like that? Apparently not. And I should also know because I believe he was in Half of a Yellow Sun. Yeah. Bray's looking it up. Um, the lovely yeah, my 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 phone Google app remembers us check, clicking on it. Yeah. The Chiwetel Ejiofor. Chiwetel Thank you. Um, plays Luke, but he fills the role of, like, Rolf, but also not, because he's not married to Julian, and he just seems to be the head of the Five Fishes, which... It's all very confusing, it's all very because confusing. it's a massive organisation in the film, and it's a small organisation in the book. Well, it's just five people. Yeah. Um, the lovely Michael Caine plays Jasper, and has a much bigger role in the movie than in the film. But he's real interesting in the... He is really he's interesting. M- he's more interesting in the movie than he is in the book. Yeah, he is. And, oh my goodness, we're... So, Claire, Hope, Ashity... Come back! Come back, Brie. Uh, Claire, Hope... Yeah, Ashity. Ashity. Um, plays Key, who is the asylum seeker and the first pregnant woman in 18 years, not 21 years. Mm. Uh, so that's really different. Um... We get this extra character, oh, I don't know how, 
Those are the main ones. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's just. I'm gonna leave it at that because yeah, they change around so many characters that it it doesn't make sense. Okay. So. Okay. Did you expect to like the movie going into this? Like, were you surprised and and disappointed by the film? Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be so different. Yeah. I. I. I mean, I had seen just the cover of the film. I don't watch trailers. And I don't watch trailers. Sorry, that was funny. Um, the cover, like the book, spends like only a third of it with Julian and with Theo, where that Julian is pregnant. Yeah, like a lot of it is about Theo and the state of mind he's in and the nihilism he feels before he finds out that a woman is pregnant. Yeah, like he's incredibly boring and calm at the beginning of the book. The book starts. Um, close to his 50th birthday, or yeah. on his 50th birthday. I wish Petey James was alive today, because I'd like to hear her perspective on the world. Yeah. She died in 2014. Um, yeah. But, like, she seems to have a really pessimistic view of humanity. Like, if we don't have the um, ego-feeding thing that reproduction is, we have no will to live or to strive for a better world. So we just destroy each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, everybody just becomes super hedonistic. Yeah. The reason that Brie brought up cats earlier as well, we didn't mention it, is because um, basically women and men, like families, couples who are desperate for children but obviously are not able to get pregnant, basically dress up either dolls or cats as babies and have all kinds of things like christening ceremonies and they dress them up and there's a scene where uh, a woman is kind of cooing over a, a different woman's baby in a pram and it's like a fake doll and then the woman grabs the doll and smashes it into the wall and runs off and then leaves uh, the woman pushing the pram just like speechless and horrified and Theo witnesses it and he's like "I like what do I do like she's just she destroyed this woman, but also it was just a doll. Yeah. But it's so it's real messed up. And it's like real interesting. I, I loved like it I guess it's very British, but it's like the whole book is like a slow burn. Yeah. Like the film is so extreme and much more um like violent and there's a lot more like guns and armies and fire and like the only really violent part of the film is when the Omegas attack. Yeah. That is that's and I, it. And like and then, like, the description of um, Miriam's death is pretty, like, violent imagery. Yeah. But otherwise, there's sort of a resignedness to it. Yeah, exactly. That isn't present in the film. So, okay. And I really So, how would that. you rate the film as an adaptation of the book? What? Like, two? Two! Two! It has literally not even the same characters by name. It's a completely different premise. Like, yes, sure, no one's been able to give birth... But it, it's a completely different setting. Like, they set it in a world that is still hectic and busy. And there's all, like, there's so many people still around. But no mm. one's been born for 18 years. Why are there so many people around? Like, it's... There's a lot of people this, in the world. The, <laughs> sure. But I don't know how many people die a year. It will be a lot. And also, like, the way that crime is dealt with in the I don't world. think that we can conceive it. Because there are millions of people on the planet. Billions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of people. So I feel like actually in 18 years, we'll still be pretty populated. How many people die a year? But also, 
crime is dealt with in a completely different way. So if you're a criminal, or if if you're deemed as a criminal, um, you get shipped off to an island, and so everything is incredibly calm in the book. That it's that's not what it is at all in the movie. Yeah, it's so hectic and. Like, there's bombs going off. Like, literally in the opening scene, a cafe explodes. Yeah. They're, they're entirely different. So, too. What about you? I'm gonna give it a five. How? I think that... The okay, reason... so 60 million people die every year. So... Ooh, 60 times 18. So that's... So a billion people... Would have died in the 18 years since no one been that's born. one seventh of the population. Sure. But there's still six billion people. And like 20 years ago, there were six billion people and it was busy. Yeah, I guess. But it's not the world that's described in the book. And that's what I'm comparing it to. Sure. The reason I would give it a five is because I think that the character of Theo is pretty on, like, pretty, pretty good. Nah! I totally disagree! The character of Theo in the movie is desperate to get back with his ex-wife, which the Theo in the book is not. He is, um, like, much more of a bloke. Like, he, they play this weird ping-pong ball game in the car where they spit a ping-pong ball into each other's mouth. Um, he's not old enough. He's not, like, he seems really ready to fight. And he also, there's this weird trope in the movie where he never has shoes on and his feet are always getting damaged. I'm not sure if there's some sort of relation there to like Jesus walking the path and like getting blood and stuff because obviously there are parallels in this in the book and the film with like the you know the the virgin mother and like the first baby and like Jesus and rebirth and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like is there a, a, some sort of thing I don't know the imagery of him always having injured feet but literally he leaves the farm and I'm like he doesn't have any shoes on. And for the rest of the movie, they bring up the fact that he doesn't have shoes on and he keeps hurting his feet. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He should have put shoes on. Yeah. And it just irritates me. I would always put shoes on. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that his nihilism is on point. And nihilism is like the overall tone. I can't give it above a five because they changed the ending so significantly. They changed more than just the ending. I know. But um, like... It's, I think you were only giving it a five because you liked the movie. But it's recognizable to the book. Is it? Yeah, it's more recognisable than Who's Ellen Who's is. Who's key? That's not even anyone in the book. Yeah. This is kind of what I think with that happened, is that they wanted to make... And didn't... didn't um, I think for... I Alfonso think... said he didn't even read the book because he didn't want that to uh, influence his interpretation for the script of the movie. Didn't you tell me about that in an article you read? Yes. Yes, and... I, and so, like, what exactly did he know? He was like, okay... But did he did he read the script? Or did he write the script? Or just... Who, did he write the script? Or I'm pretty sure he it? wrote the script. The Children of Men. Uh, the writers were... Yep, Alfonso, Timothy, J. Sexton did the screenplay, and David Arata also did the screenplay. But he, he was part of writing the screenplay. Okay. And I'm like, that's totally fine. Like, and there were lots of... Obviously... Um, well, why don't we start talking about what they changed? Well, they changed so much, but but what I wanted to say is that it's obviously been received well, like 92% on Rotten Tomatoes is really high, but it also didn't make a lot of money, which is really interesting. That's not surprising to me. It's a pretty niche film, and it kind of, like, I don't think it's very American. You know what I mean? Okay. I thought the movie was much more American than the book. Sure. 
what I find interesting is like Alfonso could have just made his own movie. Like he's obviously a very competent director and filmmaker, but why base it on the premise of a book that other people appreciate as like fans of the book might want to see? But to be fair, it, like to adapt the book honestly, it would be quite difficult to do in a film or in television because a lot of the book is just the meanderings of Theo's mind. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see this guy just wandering around and like slowly unraveling the world. Not un- sorry. I'd love to see this guy just wandering around and slowly revealing the world that he lives in and like not giving any context. Like the show or a TV show or a movie, it just starts and he's like walking around and you fucking see cats in clothes and babies in strollers, but they're dolls and like it's real quiet and eerie and weird and you're like, what is going on here? And mm-hmm. then you slowly find that information. Like I think we should give viewers and audiences more credit and I think that they would go along for that journey and by the end it would be super satisfying. Like when he doesn't take off the ring, like I love that, that would be scene. so they satisfying. They should have kept that ending. It was good. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to see, man. Okay. So yeah, I was pissed. Okay. You were, you were. Um, I completely agree with you about the world being too busy. It's one of the first things that I wrote down. Like, there are too many people in the world. But you were just debating me on it! No, I was debating you on whether or not a five was an acceptable answer. Okay. I never argued with you about the world being correctly... De- well, I I do think that it um, it actually would still be busier. Like, even if they have the population, three billion people is still a lot of people. And they would coalesce. They would get closer to city centres. So I think it would actually still be quite busy. Oh, yeah. Um, but why would they suddenly have tuk-tuks in the middle of London? That doesn't make any sense. No, no. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. All right. Um, All right. I liked... The line, woke up, felt like shit, went to work, felt like shit. Like, you know, that that really spoke to me in terms of how the book is presented. Like in the movie? Someone yeah. Someone says that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like, like, Julian and his ex-wife being involved with the fishes. I liked that there was that separation. Yeah. Um, and there's even a bit in the book where he goes to have dinner with his ex-wife and her new husband and like they talk about the pamphlet that the five fishes have handed out and she's like oh like you don't believe any of this rubbish do you like we have these rules to keep us safe and oh Shelly and um, Theo's all like oh yeah I got it too like yeah it's you know blah 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 and it's yeah, I, li- I don't like that they merge those characters. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed... I, I felt like it-, it gave more of a separation that Julian is the right person... F- I mean, Theo's the right person for Julian to contact because he's he's not quite as comfortable in the world and, and living the world and the hedonism and, the, you know, mm. as other people are. He's a little bit more aware. He's a little bit smarter. Um, he's but very arrogant. He's, yeah, he is. Um, but he's also a bit lazy and like Julian just kind of holding out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally agree with that. Yeah. I wish they had still kept Miriam as black. I think they felt like they could make Miriam white because they made Key black. Mm, I don't agree. Don't agree. Um, they made her this weird hippie voodoo woman. In the, in the film. In the yeah. film. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't have a problem with her being a hippie, like, but I, well, I don't know, I kind of pictured this dowdy woman who was, like, really, took a lot of pride in the fact that she was a midwife. Um, yeah. But probably would have been quite conservative and not, 
like interested in something like this, but what circumstances I are what circumstances are. She was just really practical. Yeah. Because she's like, I don't necessarily agree with what's going on here, but I need to be here to help the first baby into the world for for the for the past twenty one years. Yeah. Like well I just and I, I feel like she had the sense that like, you know, if you asked her about her job she'd be like I was a good midwife. I kept all of those babies sorted and all of the mothers looked after. Never lost a baby on my watch. You know, like, I feel like that would be her energy. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, so, I, yeah, I was disappointed about that. Um, I... Just, yeah, the, the whole thing, the subplot with the resistance wasn't in the book. Um, with, like, the betrayal and the things, like always trying to get Julian Julian to stay and be the face of the rebellion and not Julian Key. Key. Um it's sorry, it's a hard because that's her name in the book. Um go into that more. Because that's a massive difference. So um basically in the book they just wanna keep Julian safe. Well Julian's like I don't want to give birth in a hospital with the warden there. Yeah. Because the baby will not be mine. But in the movie, it's not like that at all. No, Key wants to go to, like, a secret colony. Yeah. Um, that apparently... And the resistance is helping her, the Fisher's resistance, is helping her get there. Which is, but like, actually, hundreds of people. Um, actually, they're not. Um, the plan mm. was always to have the, like, the Omega fight that happens in the book is planned and it's actually not the Omega it's the Resistance like staging an Omega um, attack so that they can kill Julian Julian and Luke can take control yeah and so that Luke can take key and um, the baby will have to be born at the farm Mm. Um, and And they're going to broadcast it to the world so that they'll be be in charge yeah Yeah. because they'll have the first baby and the warden won't Mm. I could just die Um, so yeah that doesn't happen in the book. Not at all. Um, they also changed the reason behind the fertility issues. And this was my biggest thing. Like, in the book, they say it's um, men. Men's sperm has dried up. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the film, they blame it on women. And I thought that was a fucked change. Yep. Um, it's the same in The Handmaid's Tale. It's the men's fault. Yeah. But the women have to suffer. That's, I mean, that's all I really have to say. Like, I agree that it's it's different from the book. Um mm. And I loved the book. I loved the book better than the movie. Is that what you want to hear? It's damn right what I want to hear. I love the book better than the movie. And movie. you're right to do so. The book is better. I just think the book is something that I haven't read before. I haven't read a story like that before. And I loved that. And I thought it was so clever. And I thought it was told from such an interesting perspective. And I love that it's written by a woman and the main character is a man. Like, I know that happens a lot. But... I just feel like it gave a really cool perspective on the world. And I feel like the movie that we saw, I've just seen variations. Like, it reminded me of The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis. Like, there's all kinds of movies that I've seen like that before that I'm like, yeah, okay. I've seen this movie before. Um, Visually, I mean, the plots are nothing alike. But, yeah, I... Do you know what? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel what you're saying. Because I really like the way that... um, even though Theo gains more initiative as the book progresses, yep. he's still basically an idiot. Like, he drops, he fucks up the water in the final scene. Yeah! Um, he's and that, 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 that ends up killing Miriam, yeah. essentially. He's not this big, like, and I know, I don't think 
the Theo in the movie ever shoots anyone? No, he never has a gun. He never has a gun. He does, like, he fights a few people. Like, But he, he never picks up a gun. No, but he, he, he kills that guy with a, um, a big brick and yeah. he smashes him over the head with it. Uh, but I just saw, because the Theo in the book is an academic. He teaches history. Yeah. And he's just this old nerdy guy who's like, he's like, I'm 50. Like, I run because everyone's obsessed with, like, keeping healthy. You either kill yourself or you keep healthy. And he talks about how golf is never for him. But basically, all this money has been invested in society to help people um, live out the rest of their lives in comfort, basically. Yeah. And so there's all these... Um, every week, I think, he goes and has sex. Or, with, or, like, he gets a massage that's, like, with a happy ending or something. Um, and Yeah, that's the... Um Fertility treatment. Like, he's got fertility testing. Yeah. And, like, uh, he runs. So, I just thought it was this... like, a, And I liked hearing about um, the childhoods, like, before the children stopped being born. And I feel like Theo in the book really isn't a hero. No. Not at all. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um, because I think... So often, like, there are some amazing, very nuanced books and films, but a lot of the time, the mainstream stuff is like, this is the good guy, and this is the bad guy. And I just loved how this book wasn't like that. Yeah. But in the movie, it was. He's like, he's the good guy, and he dies at the end, and he's very self-sacrificing. And, like, you know, at the beginning, he's like, I don't care about Key. But then Julian dies, and he realizes there's a plot um, and it's all a big conspiracy, and so he gets Key out of there, and that's great. And randomly, um, is it Miriam? Yeah. Midwife? Like, she randomly gets taken off a bus because she won't stop praying, uh, and then she, we assume she's dead, she, she doesn't come back in the rest of the movie. Right? Yeah. And then there's this whole city that all of these refugees have been pushed into, like cattle, and it's, like, absolutely falling apart, and there's people everywhere, and Key gives birth, um... In this room on this mattress, and Theo delivers the okay, baby. Okay, this is a great point to switch to talking about the film as a film. Alright. How do you read the film as a film? I don't want to watch it again. Uh, but it wasn't boring. And I thought the acting was solid. Uh, four or five. <sighs> okay, um, I'd rate it as a 7.5. I'd give it an 8, but like you've brought me down to a 7.5 by pointing out that this story has already been told. But that being said... I think that you couldn't argue that the film wasn't told well. I just didn't... I mean, I don't have to give it a high rating because it was told well. It's just my enjoyment of it. Sure. So, like, I guess... It was annoying for me because I spent the first half of the movie just being pissed it wasn't the book. Um, But I really didn't like the character of Theo kind of pining after Julian and, like, wanting to get back together. Like, I was like, I don't want to see that. I've seen that. It's boring. And I just, I was just like, I don't give a shit. I don't mind seeing something that's been done before if it's done really, really well. I mean, that's why people keep watching Shakespeare. That's fine, but I'm just saying one of the reasons I love the book so much was because it's not, it's something right, I haven't but we're, seen before. We're not talking about the book right now. We're talking about the film in and of itself. That's fine. The film in and of itself, I found that element boring. Okay. Um, I can feel that way. Sure. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to... There weren't to, any cats and strollers. Sorry. Um, the reason I wanted to switch to this is because the last like, big 
pinnacle scene um, before the end of the film, the climax, yes. um, where Theo is guiding Key through um, a war-torn city where, like, the man, the government, is, like, shooting at the resistance and there's, like, a big battle going down and Key, like, he's just trying to get Key through it. Um, it's all filmed in one take. Like, it's not, but it is. Um, it's, like, cut together so it looks like there's never a break from the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool. It's a really cool segment. I, I super enjoyed it. It was shot really well. I enjoyed the silence after all the gunshots. Yes. And I enjoyed how even the soldiers, like, everyone couldn't get over... They wanted to touch the baby's foot. And I like, that... touch any part of the baby. Yeah. But I also really love that there's a moment when the baby starts crying and the crying becomes louder than the gunshots and the gunshots die away for a second because everybody's focused on the baby. Everyone's like, I haven't heard a baby cry yeah. in 18 and years. And it's such a sound. Yeah. And, and then, it would be. Yeah. And they were walking and then they get out of the building. No, I agree. I thought that was excellent. And scene. it was like, like, it really, I felt like it didn't underplay the significance at all. Like, it was really good. Yeah. And Alfonso nearly ruined a shot because... Wasn't there blood spattered on the camera? Yeah, and he yelled cut, but it got covered by, like, a bomb going off, and it was fine. But the blood spatter is really cool. I love that part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, Theo kills baby not flu. I don't know what that means. Neither. Oh. They're your notes. Oh, no, 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 yeah. In the film, they take away Theo's ownership of the death of the baby. In the film, um, it's a flu epidemic that kills Theo's kid. But in the yes. book, it's And it's Theo. a boy as well. Yeah. In the movie, but it's a daughter. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I'm just kind of working backwards through my notes. I really loved um, Jasper's suicide scene. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was done so well. Like when he kills his wife and then goes out and then... Um, Doesn't he kill the dog too? Yeah. That's a bit cute. Yeah, he's... He, like, I think he. I think it's really beautiful. Um, I There were some good lines as well. There's a line that I think M- Miriam says. It's a... Very odd what happens in the world without children's voices. And I was like, I agree with that. Yeah. There was some good weight to that. Yeah. That that conversation between Miriam and Theo, they're at this like abandoned school. Yeah. And it's the, it's the only time I like Miriam's character because she is talking about how she used to be a midwife and she's like a real person. Yeah. And it's really nice. I thought that was a really good scene. But I could see, like, they do talk about how religion gets distorted and people kind of pick up anything to have to gain a semblance of meaning in the book. Um, so I don't mind her being a little bit hippie-ish and a little bit, like, trying to pick things from different religions to try and make her way through. Like, that checks out to me. Um, but I do love the character of Miriam in the book, Bitter. Mm. There's another line that um, wasn't taken directly from the book, but there are similar sentiments. I talked about them earlier, like, 100 years from now there will be no one to look at all of this. Um, and he's talking to his cousin, and his cousin has, like, all this art in his house. Yeah. And I, I just think that's so good. Well, they completely um, remove... And the, the scene where Theo realises that Key is pregnant um, when she's in the stable is also really well done. Yeah. But in the book as well, like, they... In the film, sorry. I'm listening. They completely remove the warden and the council. Like, yeah. it's nothing like that at all. Like, his cousin in the movie is just this rich guy... And he has a it's son. It's still a dictatorship. There's still that um, that sense of like it being a dystopia, but like it, it's a faceless dystopia. Yeah. They're not the important part because and the resistance is more important. It's really interesting as well because uh, Theo's cousin gets him the passes for the border. Yeah. Instead. 
which is why Theo has to be involved because it's for two people, for him and Key. Yeah. But then they intentionally end up getting arrested and taken to the refugee camp because that's where they needed to meet the boat the whole time. Well, that's after they realise, like, all the bits. All the things. Yeah. Um, anyway, the I, bits. I know that we've done a lot of reading on this, but um, I want to read Ozymandias because I just think it's good. I met a traveller from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings, look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sand stretch far away. And so that's just about like seeing a, a sculpture of a king from a long time ago saying like, I will be remembered forever because I've created the city or I've created all these works, but then nothing remains from him because mm. time erases all of humanity. Um, and, we'll, and we'll always do that. And I just that's felt right. like this, this is like, this is Ozymandias, but longer and then has a hope at the end kind of like there's hope because humanity gets a chance to restart itself but also there's not hope because he puts the ring on well something i really love about i guess they still get that in the film though because she's on the boat yeah but we don't know if she's getting picked up by anyone good that's right and we just know the boat is called tomorrow yes the boat is called tomorrow and that's something else i was i thought that was a good touch yeah because humans like to think a lot of themselves in our in our infrastructure but we build we build our homes and we build our technology spaceships all that jazz but no matter what you do time erodes all like mold will get in rust will get in nature if you do nothing nature will win i agree but i think that if if the earth sort outlives humanity i hope it does um then i think there's a good possibility that the remnants of humanity will be around for a long time. Sure. But if, like... But not all time. But not all time. Yeah. Yeah, no, because eventually the sun will explode and consume the earth. (laughs) And consume all things. All right. Um, But that's still interesting. I think it's beautiful um, to think about. And this is something that I really liked. This is a series that um, I would love... Maybe one time we'll do this, but, like, we definitely need to cover... um, the Ugly's Pretty Special series. and They haven't made it into a movie, though. Exactly. And just talk about who we'd cast and how it would work. Oh, yeah, um, okay. Because cool. yeah. I, the it's first like three one books of my awesome. favourite book series from when I was a child. We didn't read the fourth one. I have read the fourth one before, but I didn't read it out loud to you like I did with the rest of them. Oh, okay. Um, but I really loved that book series growing up. And I, what I loved about it is, like, one of the significant settings is old rusties they're rusty settlements which um are like cities that have decayed from a virus that eats oil and makes it explode um and that's like like before the apocalypse um and i love thinking about that like i love picturing the world empty of humans and ruins um with like skeletons and birds just like 
crawling through rib cages and cats just picking through litter and like you know like I think that's it's such a beautiful image to me and I don't know why mm. um because I really like humanity and in general I think I'm pretty hopeful about humanity being halfway decent but like I wish I could see it like I wish I was the last human on earth and then I'll die like just for like a second I just want to see everything <laughs> you weirdo I am a weirdo <sighs> Is there anything else you'd like to say? I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I like the movie. I like the symbolism. I like the imagery of the film. Um, I loved the book, though. Like, I loved, love. I'll definitely want to read it. I was book. really, um, I didn't know I would like the book so much. Yeah. I was impressed. And I was... Um, I'd be interested to look at other, uh, other books by P.D. James as yeah, well. Like, I agree. She's an author I'll look out for now. Yeah, 100%. Whereas, like... Nick Hornby, I'm like, I guess. Super average. Yeah. Uh, Revamp, remake, retire. You got a cute little head. Thanks. Okay. Ready? Yep. One, two, two three. three. Remake. Retire. Yeah. I knew we were going to disagree. I want to see the book made. I, oh, I think there's a quiet beauty in the fact that there isn't a good adaptation of the book. Like, I think it speaks to the nihilism that and like the pessimism that pd james has yeah like that's book, kind of funny I the like book that. that she wrote i think isn't represented on screen and i think the, the the fact that it isn't represented on screen speaks to her pessimism you know like yeah I i'm do. okay with it i see the beauty in that but i still really like i love movies i'm a very visual person um and so i would love what i experienced and saw in my mind to be brought to life um, with the magic of cinema. But also I think this would be better as a miniseries. Like a, I agree. Like a four or five part miniseries. Yeah, I can see it as like a... The makers of His Dark Materials. Like a BBC drama. Yeah. Is what I see. Oh yeah, His Dark Materials are so good. I, I mean, I think Netflix could take this on and make it a good miniseries. Netflix is just losing money. I don't know what their business plan is. That's what I've heard, but I don't know. I feel yeah. like that might be one of those things that's, like, not real true fact, you know? Well, I'm sure maybe they have other businesses that make money. Yeah. that's how it works, isn't it? I don't know. Who cares? We're getting sidetracked. Thank you so much for joining us this week, um, getting into our third season. Yeah. So, um, because we're lesbians. Um, yeah. And so we're naturally infertile. We can't make a baby together. Like, we're not infertile, but it's we can't make a baby sad. together. It's super sad. Our baby would be fucking um, sick. Does that mean that we should have, like, a baby shower and a christening for Shelley? Oh my god, yes. Can we get her a little bassinet? She would fucking hate it. Yeah, she would. Be hilarious. But I want to put a bow on her head as well. Oh, she's such a good little kid when she's sleeping. She's coming around. She's a rescue kitty, so we've had to work with her. Um, But she's coming around. She lets us cuddle her sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And other times we're like, please. And she's like, nope. But that's yeah. cats. Uh, chapter 1 Take 2 has a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at chapter1take2 at outlook.com. We've had some fans email us before, and that was bloody delightful. So feel free to get in touch. Um, let us know what you think about the fact that there are so few uh, dystopian society books written by women that have been adapted into film. We <laughs> probably not surprising. <laughs> probably not surprising at all. We will end up uh, covering Hunger Games, probably, as a part of this season because... Um, even though it is very mainstream and we don't often do mainstream stuff because there is already so much content about that type of thing. Um, just because there is so few dystopian written by women and, um, with women as the lead, we probably will end up doing Hunger Games, Mm. which is totally fine. I loved the 
third Hunger Games book or movie. But you haven't read the other two, right? I've only read the last Hunger Games book because I saw the movie before that and I really wanted to know what, how it ended. So I went out and I bought the book and I only have that last book and I read it in like two days and I was like, cool, that's how it ends. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Um, thank you so much. We also have a Patreon if you want to help us keep making cool content for you cool cats. Next episode will be with the amazing boys from the Cry... What is it? <laughs> Random Acts of Cinema. What, but what do they cover? The Criteria Collection. Criterion. Criterion Collection. Uh, and that is covering something roadside something. Roadside picnic. Thank you very much, darling. This is why we're together. Yeah. Yes. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. 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 Shelly says bye. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah.